I'm going to be reading in the book of Judges, chapter 1, excuse me, Joshua. We can read out both of them if you want, but my sermon is going to be in Joshua, chapter 1, verse number 1. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. How many know that we live in a now generation? We do. We live in a now generation. No one wants to wait on anything. How many loves waiting for something? Not a hand. You know, when I get hungry for something, I don't even want to wait on it. I want it right then. I'm thinking, man, I'd like them, them cinnamon rolls that take hours to make, and, and the, the yeast has to rise, and they have to roll them out, and they have to pour. I, them homemade cinnamon rolls, but I want them now. I don't, don't like waiting. Sometimes, Sister Sam... I get her to get me some cinnamon rolls, and I can't wait for her to get here. I want her here now, but she's bringing them from Russellville or that area. But we like things now. Look how we drive now. Look how I drive. We want to get, our, get in our car and go everywhere else, and everyone else needs to get out of the way. That highway belongs to me. Or that's the way we feel. My grandpa Abney had an old Chevrolet with metal bumpers on it, and all the time I said, I wish I had my grandpa's car. I don't want to hurt anybody. Just push them in the ditch and keep going. Don't want any damage to their car. I just want them out of the way. But that's the way we are. We want things now. I want to get to Conway as fast as I can. I want to be there now. We pull up through the drive through window. Man, it's been five seconds since we ordered it. We want our food now. Guess what? We no longer save money anymore. We use a credit card because we want it now. There's a commercial like that. We want it now. Big purchases in our life. Oh, that's not safe for it. We want it now. <laughs> Take my credit card. We borrow from the bank or charge everything because we want it now. With, with all the impatience, do you ever wonder or have you ever wondered? What does God have for me now? What does God have for me now? In this moment, what does God want for me? What is my now moment? Anybody? Anybody ever wondered that? I know what God had for me in the past. And maybe we can see what God has for us in the future. But what about right now? What about today? Who is God putting in my path today? What is my now? It's important that we know what our now is. Amen? We live in a perpetual now. Now moments in our life. What are you, what are you doing now? Where are you going now? Who's in your life right now? And how are you living your life now? When we woke up today, our now was getting ready for church or getting the kids ready for church. Bo's got his hands full of there. Getting, that, that's your now moment. Get them kids ready for church. When we look at our job, we see that the now moment will be tomorrow. We're going to walk into that office. We're going to walk into that store. We're going to walk in wherever we have to be. That is your now. That is your now. Now is immediate. Now is at the present time or moment. Now is the culmination of everything before now. 
Don't that sound confusing? Let me read it again. Now is the culmination of everything before now. You're living in constant nows. Now is the beginning, everything to come after now. Now is when we're in line to check out and the person in front of you walks away and you walk to the cashier. That's your now moment. I'll tell a quick story. The other day I was in TJ Maxx and uh, they had a big long zigzag lines and, and I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, just being the mouse with the cheese. I'm going through the little loops and the ropes and coming back up. And you get to the end and they'll flash up on the screen which register's open. And there was eight of them that were open. And they said, register seven's open. I leaned to the people in front because they were next in line. I said, register seven's open. I'm in my now moment. You need to move on. I didn't say all that, but that's what I meant. They didn't move. I waited for a few seconds, and, I, and another cashier opened up. It was register four, and so I stepped around them, and I walked down to register seven. Next thing I know, I have someone cussing me out. Oh, that's the way you are. Just go ahead in front of people, in front of the line and everything. I said, sir, I, I, I told you that you was next in line. Number seven was open, and you didn't. I said, I didn't mean to offend you, but... And number four was right in front of him, but he chose to walk down to seven to cuss me out. I was in my now moment. And now he was in a now moment. Now is when it's your turn to walk up to the cashier. Now is obedience after you're told your child to do something. How many tells your child to do something and they didn't do it the first time? The first time is obedience. The second time is sin. That's how, that's how simple that is. The first time's obedience. The second time is sin. The third time, you're probably sinning because you should have took care of the first time. That's not part of my notes. I'll move on. Now is what you're doing this very minute. You are living in your now, right now. The big now in Scripture is found in Joshua 1 and 1. And I want to read it. If you'd stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Joshua 1, verse number 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, how many read that word now? That's a big now right there. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Would you pray for me as I pray to God right now? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you're in control of every situation that's represented in this room and on Facebook today. I ask you, Lord, to let us see the now moments in our life, Father, and let us follow after you in everything that we do. Open our eyes and ears to see and to hear what you'd have to say to us today. Father, hide me in the shadow of the cross that I'll speak the words from heaven, Father. That'll be your mouthpiece today, Lord, and we'll receive deep-rooted words into our heart, Father, that'll come forth at a later date. I ask you, Lord, right now to prepare us with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord, to receive from you. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. And everybody said amen. amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. What a moment in Joshua's life. 
a now moment in his life. Joshua did a lot of things. We read him all, all through the, uh, throughout the Old Testament. We see him doing a lot of things. He had a lot of now moments in his life. And I just want to speak to you for, just for a few minutes today about these now moments in his life. God promised Abraham and his descendants these lands over 400 years earlier. That's a big buildup to a big now. I'm just going to tell you right there. They were nomads, slaves, wanderers, and then now. We love the big now moments, don't we? we does anybody love the big now moments? We do. We love the deep ball and football. Bow and football, don't you just hate the running plays up the middle? One yard up, two yard loss, three yards, four. You hate them up the middle. My mom always says, why are they running up the middle? She's not even a football fan. She understands that's the worst play in football. But there's a reason for them plays. There's a reason for them. We love the deep ball, though. We love the deep ball. We love the breakout performance in music or movies or even in business. In our text, this was Joshua's big now moment. But what happened before this? What happened before this big now moment in his life? What was Joshua's life before this? It was a life full of nows. Now we wage war. Exodus 17 and verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. How many know that story? Moses standing on a rock, or he's standing up on the mountain, raising his hands. His hands get tired, and he's got a couple of buddies there with him, and they raise his hands for him because he can't hold his hands up. And My Bible said they even slipped a rock under him so he could sit down. And hold his hands up. Because every time his hands were up, there was a victory going on in the valley. But when he let his hands down, Amalek was winning. Remember the story? Joshua fought while Moses held his hands up with the help of Aaron and Hur. I want to go on down, jump down to Exodus 17, verse 13. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and recount it in the, in the hearing of Joshua, some of the other uh, translations says, let Joshua hear this over and over. He wanted to remind Joshua of what, what happened down there. That I will utterly block out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Joshua was somewhere between his 30s and 40s uh, during the exodus of Egypt. He had been a slave. He saw the miraculous exodus. Now it was time to fight the first battle for the future of Israel. That's what he was doing there. Now was the time to wage war. How many know you have times in your life where it's time to wage war? How many has ever had sickness in your life and you had to wage war against Satan? It seemed like it went from one kid to the next, to the next, to the next. Went through the whole house and then it started going down the neighborhood. You had to begin to wage war for your health. Sometimes we had to wage war. Like I said, we love the deep pass in football, but we don't usually love that one and three yard runs. We don't like them kind of things. But you know what? It sets up the big play. It sets up the deep ball. It sets it up. They keep running up the middle. And then one time that quarterback's going to put his hand out 
to give it to the running back. All the linebackers and defensive linemen are going to look at the running back's getting the ball again, and they're all going to rush the line. The quarterback's going to pull the ball back, and that receiver is jetting down the field, and then we got the long ball open. Everybody's cheating, even them cornerbacks on the side. They're cheating. They're looking at the quarterback. Oh, he's handing it off. We love the deep ball, but in the trenches, in the trenches is where that play develops. In the trenches is what's got to happen. In the trenches is where the, where the miracles for the Christians happen. Hallelujah. That's where it happens. That's where the battle's fought. It's in the trenches. There's no spotlight, though, in the trenches. There's not. Unless you're an avid football fan, you can't tell me one, not one, offensive lineman for the Razorbacks right now. Anyone? I dare you. I dare you. Years ago, they had one named Skipper. He was six foot eight. He was easy to recognize. Spotlight fell on him sometimes. But most of the time, there's not a spotlight in the trenches. There's not a lot of accolades in the trenches. There's not a lot of fanfare in the prayer closet. There's not a lot of fanfare in the prayer meetings every, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right here at the church from eight to nine. There's not a lot of spotlight going on prayer warriors, is there? Serving the Lord does involve big moments, big nows, but mostly it's a bunch of now we wage war moments. You're asking, well, pastor, what's that mean? We wage war against temptation. I know you're all angels. I know the devil never tempts you, but I'll be transparent. The devil tempts me. He does. Just because you're, you're a Christian, just because you're a pastor, doesn't mean the devil stops working. That would be his biggest conquest, to hit a Christian. He wants to tear down the body of Christ. We have to wage war. We have to wage war against temptation. We wage war against evil spirits. I told you about a moment in my life just a few minutes ago. When I pray, say the name of Jesus, all of a sudden the battle begins to win, turn to my side, and I begin to win that battle from going from scared and fearful all of a sudden knowing there's a peace there's a joy in my heart there's nothing there that God can't beat up I used to tell my boys they said dad I'm scared of the dark I said I'm gonna tell you there's nothing in the dark any scarier than me don't you turn this light on again we war we wage war against the influence of a godless culture that pulls us away from the promised freedom of God what are you talking about pastor we engage constantly in things that's going to be addictive in our lives. We have to fight these things. We have to wage war against these things. We wage war for our marriage. Amen, Pastor. We wage war for our kids. Good job, Pastor. We wage war for peace in our house. We wage war for a relationship with Jesus. The devil wants to put out stumbling blocks for us all the time. We have to wage war against him. Sometimes our now is waging war. Lord, help us to recognize our now moments. How do we wage war? We wage war through prayer. Hallelujah. We wage war through prayer, through devotion, through worship, through accountability. Joshua was faithful in waging war God's way and at God's time and witnessed overwhelming victories. Hallelujah. Your now moments are foundational moments in your life. It was also the same way with jo uh, Joshua. But other now moments still awaited him. Now, he had another moment. It's now we wait. 
moment. Now we wait. I asked it already, how many likes waiting? Nobody wants to wait. Nobody wants to wait. I'm going to tell you what, when I was a kid, I'd push you down. I don't care how big, how small, girl, boy, it doesn't matter. If there's candy involved, you're going down. I'm not waiting. I'm getting to it. Now we wait. Exodus 24, verse number 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up. Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant, Joshua. This dude's everywhere. And Moses went up to the mountain of God. Now, how many's ever read that and didn't realize that? That Joshua went up that mountain with Moses? Most commentary believe that he went up halfway. Why? He had a job to do. It was his job to wait. Moses was called of God to go up on Mount Sinai to receive the law and the commandments. How many know something called the Ten Commandments? We often picture Moses up on the mountain all alone, but it's clear here that Joshua, his assistant, was with him. Went on the mountain to wait. Wait for what? To wait on Moses. To help Moses. You're wondering, what? wow, I didn't even realize that. We don't often remember the names of the assistant coaches of the championship teams either. We, we know that there's a bunch of coaches over there, but we don't understand their job. We don't know what they're doing. I know Bo over here, he played football. He understands uh, the different coaches and things. But how many know the name Bill Belichick? You ever heard that name? Super Bowl winning coach of the New, New England uh, Patriots. And he's set numerous Super Bowl records. I forget how many that he's won. But I, I did a little research on him, and, and I, wanted to, I wanted you to see this. He holds numerous coaching records, including winning a record six Super Bowls. How many Super Bowls are there total? Somebody? 50? This, this guy owns six championships. Six. That's incredible. He's a head coach of the New England Patriots. He also has some championship rings from being on other teams, all right? But he didn't start there. He had some now moments in his life. He had a lot of now moments and now waiting moments. In 1975, he was Colts special assistant. In 1976, he was the Lions assistant special teams coach. In 1977, he was the Lions receiver coach. In 1978, he was the Broncos assistant teams uh, coach and defensive assistant. 79 through 90, he worked for the New York Giants. As a special teams coach, defensive assistant, linebackers coach, special teams coach, coach after coach after coach, you can see over and over and over, I could go on and on. But 25 years, he was an assistant coach. 25 years, no one really knew his name. You read some of these things, these are the, some of these uh, things that he was doing was the lowest thing on the totem pole. He was just above the water boy. That's, that's what he was doing. But finally came his time. In our service to the Lord, there are many times that God will say now, and our heart will leap. I can't imagine the first time Bill Belichick heard, hey, we want to hire you as the assistant cup of water getter for our team. His heart must have leaped. Wow, I'm, I'm part of the Lions. <laughs> he felt like one of the players all of a sudden. He was excited. But the Lord does the same thing. He'll tell us that we're going to have a now moment, and our heart will leap. And then he'll say to us, Wait. 
Where's the glory in that? Wait. Man, we, we already discussed it. We don't like waiting. I'm sure Bill Belichick didn't think that he'd wait as long as he did to be a head coach of the winning Super Bowl team, but he had to wait. His now moment was a wait. Jesus said that if you want to be the greatest, then be the servant of all. Now we wait. In our workplace, we get the coffee with a smile for our coworkers, even when they don't ask for it. They don't deserve it. I read your mind. I'm human. They're so mean and vile. I'm not doing a thing for them. We serve out of love and the attitude of Christ, who truly was a servant to all. Now we wait. What's, what's another word for wait? Serve. Now we wait. Now we serve. In the restaurant, we have waiters. What do they do? Well, they're supposed to serve. Can you imagine a waiter walking to your table, sitting there, and you're thinking, all right, drink order's coming up right here. And he, he sits there watching. And they, you say, I'd like a Coke. I'd like water. I'd like iced tea. I'd like this, that. He goes, great. Dude, are you going to get our drinks for us? I'm waiting. I'm just going to wait. Waiting ain't for God. You're still serving. You're still serving. You know what? I've had some of them waiters where I just about had to okay, now go get them things. I told you what I wanted. Remember that little pad you just wrote everything? Read it again back in the back and you can give me what I need. Within the church, we volunteer in ministries of the church. We mow, we greet, we make calls, we write letters. We work hard behind the scenes. We rock babies. Back there in the nursery right now, they're probably rocking a baby. We help with kids and in our youth. You may be thinking, that doesn't sound very spiritual, though. What's the Bible say about giving the prophet a cup of water? In all actuality, our service to God and others is very much spiritual worship. When we serve, it's spiritual worship unto God. And it will often lead into what many of us would openly see as spiritual worship, just like it did for Joshua. Now we worship. Exodus 33, verse number 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that a pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Wow, that'd be awesome if somebody driving by to see a cloud hanging right over the church and it just started enveloping the church. Wow, wow, what's happening? God's talking to TFT. God's talking to TFT. Verse number 10, all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped. Each man in his tent door. Verse number 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Whew. He had a passion for the presence of the Lord. 
while God's always everywhere, God's presence was manifested in a very physical way throughout the Bible. And, and they could see it in the Bible. Ways that many times throughout Scripture, much like it was the, the cloud that I just described to you, His presence would fill places dedicated to worship in this way. Whether it was a tent, a temple, or the upper room, Moses was the leader with whom God was speaking. But where do we find Joshua? He was embracing the fact that now was the time to worship. He put himself where God would be and could be found. And he worshipped him. Joshua wanted to stay in God's presence. That's why he didn't leave. He wanted to stay there in God's presence. We need to follow Joshua's example and be in continually putting ourselves in position to encounter God in his presence. Can I hear an amen? continually putting ourselves in a position to receive and to be, you know what, and sometimes we don't even need to receive something. We just need to be in His presence because when we're in His presence, we automatically receive. We don't have to go there petitioning. God, I just want to sit with you. I just want to be with you. I just want to lean back on your chest and hear your heartbeat, Father. We need to be in God's presence. And this is where Joshua could be found. He didn't want to leave God's presence That could be as simple as coming to church, expecting something from God and doing whatever it takes to be in his presence. God tells you to get up and run, get up and run. God tells you to get up and shout, get up and shout. God tells you to clap your hands, clap your hands. Whatever it is, get in God's presence. Stay in God's presence. Raising our hands, singing his praises, kneeling at an altar. God will not force his presence on you. We have to continually yield ourselves, position ourselves to be in God's presence. When my brother and I were kids, we'd go to Bush Stadium in St. Louis and we'd watch baseball games. But before the games, we'd get there extra early. Our dad would take us and we'd ask him, take us early. We wanted to see where the players went in. Because where they went in, they were going to come out. So after the game, we would rush to that spot where they were going to come out. And then we would beg like all the kids were doing for autographs. We wanted to position ourselves to be in their presence. We wanted to position ourselves to be in. That's why I'm so so big on coming to church. Can you be a Christian outside these four walls? You can, without a shadow of a doubt. Pastor says we can, but that's not what God intended. God intended for you to be in this tabernacle. Why? Because there's a special presence in the tabernacle. There's a special presence in the tabernacle. If we want to live our lives full of the presence, the purpose of God, then we should be passionately determined to be in the places where his presence and purposes are. Continually to seek after God. That doesn't mean we have to fly all over the country chasing Biddy Hen or Jimmy Swagger or any other televangelist you want to talk about. God called you to a specific, specific place, not the Pacific. Nobody's going to California. Everybody's staying here. A specific place. And it's where you're being fed. It's where he's wanting to touch you. It's where your next now is. Amen. Amen. It's where your provision is. The now moments that you're in. Yes, God is everywhere. But there's a much higher chance of finding him in the church. In the tabernacle. In the temple. In the upper room. In your prayer closet. In the atmosphere of worship. That's where you'll find the presence of God. Maybe you find him alone in the woods or at the lake. 
You can. Every time I set out on a beach, you know what I think of? God. I look at them waves coming in. I'm like, that could kill me. But God put a border up. He put a barrier up. Look how beautiful that is. And I'm not going to die from it. I, I, am, I mean, I am at all. I drive up to Marshall. When I go up to Marshall, you get up on top of the mountain and you look over and you see the valley. You see all, everything that you can see right there. I'm in awe I'm, how beautiful it is. And I'm not one of these nature guys. But I'm in awe of his beauty, what he has. I want to stay in his presence. And you may find him in the woods or lake, and you can. But he wants you here at the temple, at the tabernacle. If you want to live in the now of God, live in a consistent state of now we worship. Now we worship. Our love for the presence of God and his spirit in our lives is wonderful. It can be, uh, it can be unquenchable if we're doing it right. And that's the way we need to be constantly. God, I want more of you. I want more. Not because what he gave us wasn't enough. It's because it's so good. I want some more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God won't allow us to get to the point where we want it all for ourselves either. He will lead us to now do not withhold. Now do not withhold. Numbers eleven twenty five. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. So Joshua, the son of Nun, here was Joshua going again, assistant, one of his choice men answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Tell them to stop it, Moses. But two men had remained at the camp the name of the, the one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. Now you have to understand this story. He was bringing the men out to the tabernacle, and they were going to prophesy. These two was invited, but they didn't go. So what are they doing? They're back at the camp. And when the Spirit of God come down, they begin to prophesy. Maybe they lay in their tent, and all of a sudden they begin to prophesy. That's crazy. What, 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 what's dad doing over there? What, what's grandpa doing over there? He, he's prophesying. And the young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and me, dad, are prophesying in the camp. Then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses had a different uh, take on that. He wanted everybody to be prophesying. The presence and spirit of God had been on Moses for years, and he led these, the, the, the people of Israel. This mass, it included, uh, you know, from, uh, I think they said 600,000 to 2 million people. It was overwhelming. It was overwhelming for Moses. God shared his spirit with the elders as well as Moses. They needed the spirit of God to help Moses, to help Moses lead. Joshua was concerned and wanted Moses to stop him. But Moses taught him important lessons. Do not withhold. Do not withhold. So many people nowadays, they think, you know what? Well, I don't want to be a part of a large church. I just want to have a small congregation where I know everybody. And, you know, if it gets too big, then it may get too crazy. And I may not have my seat when I need it. And, you know, uh, may not, I may lose my teaching position. I may do. Do not withhold. 
It's our job to spread the good news. It's our job to prophesy. It's our job to teach and to preach and not to limit it just to our few. Amen? The wish for everyone to enjoy the presence and the fullness of God the way Moses and Joshua did is what we want to see today. We've all experienced a moment when we witnessed something amazing but had no one else to share that moment with. Some people mysteriously always catch the biggest fish of a lifetime when there's no witnesses. Many of the, so, the, the, uh, the, the hole-in-ones on the golf course that you hear about, many of them are solo. I was just out golfing by myself. Mm -hmm. We believe it happened. I heard a story where a preacher got up one Sunday morning, decided he wasn't going to go to preach. He called the deacons and told them that he was sick. He lied. There's his first mistake. So he went golfing. He gets on a 500-yard par four, and he drives the ball, and the wind just gusts and carries and God's up in heaven. He said, watch this. He blows that ball all the way to the hole, and it goes in for a hole in one. Unheard of. One of the angels said, why did you do that? He goes, who's he going to tell? <laughs> These moments are to be shared and to be fully experienced. We have the opportunity to know God, the God of heaven, the God of earth, we have the opportunity for freedom in our hearts, minds, and spirits. We have a hope-filled eternity to hold on to, even in the darkest days. How many know it doesn't matter what the government's doing, doesn't matter what the world's doing, what the CDC or the coronavirus is doing, God is still on the throne, and he's still in charge of everything going on. Hallelujah. Darkest days. I think we're going to be saying that a whole lot more in the future. We have the Spirit of God to live within us daily, so the darkest days are still good days with God. Now, do not withhold these things. Now, share the good news of the gospel. It's never been just about you anyway. How many knew that? It's never been about me anyway. Even though I'd push and run and shove people down for candy, it still wasn't about me. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's always been the desire for everyone to have his will done in their lives. Amen. Lastly, now we worship in the wilderness. Numbers 14, 29. The carcasses of you who have been complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephana, I hope I said that right, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones whom you said would be victims... I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. That's some de depressing scripture right there. Can I tell you? That's depressing. You read that and like, Wow. The Israelites were at the door of the promised land. Caleb and Joshua, along with ten other spies, had scoped out the land. While uh, Caleb and Joshua, they come back and they said, we can do it. We can do it. We can take this land. God had delivered the promised land to them. The other ten turned the crowd to be more afraid than hopeful. As a result, they were forced to wander 40 years in the wilderness. It was no fault of Joshua's, but it, it was still his path. How many's ever had anything unfairly done to them? You did not deserve that, 
you look back at somebody else and said, I didn't deserve that. Caleb didn't deserve it. Joshua didn't deserve it. But now they had to be wanderers for 40 years. Wow. How many has been put in a bad situation? Not, not because of you, anything you've done, but you went ahead and praised God anyway. I know we've all had the moments. But you may not think you did that great at it. And then I look back at my life and think, well, I could have did better at this or that. But you know what? The fact I didn't give in and throw in the towel, that's a big plus for you right there. Hallelujah. But when we begin to worship God and some of the things we didn't deserve, I didn't deserve to be in that car accident. I didn't deserve to have cancer. I didn't deserve to go through this. I didn't deserve to go through that. Guess what? Say your hallelujahs. Start praising God. Worship him in the wilderness. Imagine the moment the explorers walked and they wandered out from off their maps. When I was in school, way back when, when it was black and white, there was no color anywhere. Dinosaurs still roamed the earth. When I was in school, Columbus discovered America. Now we, we find out that everybody in the world has discovered America before Columbus did. But can you imagine when they were coming across the, the, the ocean and, and their maps only went so far and they thought, we're going to keep going. We're going to find out one way or another. There's land over there or we're all going to die falling off the face of the earth. It's flat. We're just going to keep sailing all of a sudden. Oh, Niagara Falls, boom. I just wonder what was going through their mind. They set sail for a new world. They believed to be there, but it wasn't on the map. Or maybe uh, they'll fall off the edge of the earth. That's, that's what they were thinking. It's not on a map, but, you know, so we die trying. Sometimes the promises of God don't come when we think they should. Sometimes the job isn't offered to you like you thought you should have got. Sometimes the days get lonely and dark. Sometimes it feels like you're wandering in the wilderness. You keep following his direction and pursuing his presence just like the Israelites and Joshua did in the wilderness even when you're walking in circles. I've been here before. How many has ever drove in Orlando? It's like a wilderness. You drive in circles over and over and over to get to the same spot. One, one of my pet peeves about, about Orlando, and I'll not talk about it anymore. We'll drive by something, I'd say, we just drove by that shell. And she said, well, I'm just going what Google says. Google's in there going... <laughs> What do we do when things are not going right? What do we do when we're walking through things we don't want to walk through? Worship in the wilderness. Persevere. Well, those who lose the faith fall to our left and right. Persevere. Now worship in the wilderness. To get the fulfillment of the promises of God, we have to worship through some wilderness. But on the other side of those wilderness times, we learn how to respond to our next now moment. Shelly, would you come? Joshua was faithful in whatever the now moment was in his life. When now was the time to wage war, he did it. When now was the time to wait on Moses, he did it. When now was the time to worship, he worshiped. When now was the time to withhold the presence of God, he shared God with others. 
I think I read that wrong. When now was the time not to withhold, he shared the presence of God. When now meant a time in the wilderness, he worshiped in the wilderness. Would you stand with me? You may be in a time where it's time to wage war. Can I tell you, fight in the strength of God. Now may be the time that you linger in the presence of God because that's where he can be found. Now is your worship time. I don't know worship's in there twice, but sometimes it's easy to worship God. When the presence of God's so strong and a cloud there on the tabernacle, it was easy to worship God. Worshiping God in the wilderness, that's a lot tougher. When you didn't deserve it, when you're having problems, continue to worship God in the wilderness. You may be in a wilderness today. Worship him, follow close after him. If you want to follow him in the times of success, you have to follow him in your now. Chase the presence and power of God and do it now. Now may be the time that you need to be renewed in your spirit. You need to come back to God. You need salvation. This is your now moment today. Think, Pastor, I can't do that. You know, people's watching me. People know me. It'd be embarrassing. Do you know what? If you don't stand up for Jesus today, he's going to deny you in the afterlife. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your spirit, your presence. God, I thank you for your word. I ask you, Lord, today these simple words that I've spoke, Lord, that they take root in our hearts. God, as we come to the altar to pray, I ask you, Lord, to, to press this inside of us. Lord, let, let there be intentions, Lord, from this word today to understand that we're in now moments with every day, with every breath that we breathe. And, Father, for us to be faithful in the now moments. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you find you a place to pray?